Hi, this is Deacon Rob, and this is the All Souls Catechesis Podcast. And this year, as you all know by now, those of you who have been listening in, um, our, our theme is Signs of Life Reflections on Hope. And we've been hearing from members of our community uh, talk to us uh, about where they have found hope in this last year. And today I'm delighted to be with Jim Leonard. Um, and for those of us at All Souls who don't know you, Jim, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, yeah, I'm... Uh, I've been at All Souls with my wife, and actually our daughter also goes to All Souls. We all started about nine years ago, and um, it's been a wonderful place for us. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, Of course, we've felt the pain and the stress of the last couple of years, but um, uh, overall, uh, we feel that even that is... um, a very important learning experience. It's uh, with all the suffering, uh, God is in it. Mm. It's a, a delight to be with you here today, um, talking about how you found hope this year in the midst of the good times as well as the bad. Yeah. So um, yeah. So why don't yeah, it's why don't you tell us a little bit about that and where you found hope. I know what the title of this podcast is, but but go ahead. Yeah, well, the the, the title is the big hint. I mean, uh, prayer without ceasing. Mm. What's that all about? How could it be possible? Mm. It, does Paul give us any hints of what, what he means by that? Um, uh, so if I ever have any hope, it's hope in the Lord. So that to me is connecting with him and a prayer experience. And uh, my question is, how does one pray without ceasing? Is that your question too? (laughs) That's my biggest question. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, what answer do you have? (laughs) Are you going to answer without ceasing here? Am I going to be able to ask, am I going to be able to ask further questions as we go along? (laughs) No, well, uh, I, I figured it's best to go to, to the source of that scripture, and mm. it's, it's very interesting. It's the end of, of uh, Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, and he's making some concluding comments, and he says, uh, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Mm. So we've got always, yeah. we've got without ceasing, and yep. in all circumstances. And it, it occurs to me that the only way that such prayer is possible is to enter into a place of timelessness because he's saying always without ceasing. So what is this place of timelessness that he's talking about? That is interesting because there has to be, I thought, coming into this, thinking about knowing what you're going to talk about, the relationship be- between prayer and time mm-hmm. and the importance of time um, and how we fill our time and how we mark our days. Mm-hmm. And even time in the Anglican, uh, the seasons, the, yeah. the calendar, right? Um, 
the seasons that by which we measure and by which we um, find the rhythms in our church year, but prayer encompassing all of it. Yes. But if we're going to pray without ceasing, it will probably have to come from a place within us that is uh, eternal, as it were. The place that, that's... Uh, that that Christ dwells in us, uh, as Paul says, Christ the hope of glory, Christ in us the hope of glory. That place, I, I like to imagine using the temple metaphor um, as the Holy of Holies, the very inmost place of myself mm. and yourself, it, this, this inner man, this inner person, uh, that Paul talks about the heart that's mentioned in his writings throughout the this inner inner place has to be a place in which uh, Christ dwells outside of time but inside of us now if I'm gonna feel him if I'm gonna know him outside of time I would have to go to that place. These whole these catechesis sessions began with with Matt and uh, Andrew getting together and talking about centering prayer. Mm, yeah. And I think centering prayer is an exercise that leads us into this place of timelessness. Mm. Yeah. So. I was asking you about praying in time and in the rhythms of the seasons and you're telling me that prayer accesses um, that which is timeless, which is eternity, which we can do uh, all the time? Well, how, how does that the, work? That's the ideal, um, but the question is, I mean, in my way of thinking, it is happening all the time. Yeah, yeah. The question is, how can we connect with it? How can we become aware ah, of it? So, ah, okay. But, but say, say, say talk some more. I guess here's my question. Mm -hmm. um, becoming aware of it then, God is present all the time, and he is wanting us to be aware of him. Uh, because he's always there all the yes. time, right? Yes. So it's a matter of him being present constantly and us acknowledging that. And in the Is acknowledgement, that... we rejoice. Yeah, in the right. acknowledgement, we give thanks. In the acknowledgement, um, uh, well, there's uh, th that's going to be the meat, I think, of what I have to share today. Okay. But okay. It, it, it's helpful, uh, for example, to go to Paul's exhortation in Romans 12, where he says, Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And in, in saying that, I think what he's suggesting is that um, there's a way to make space. Uh, we, he says, be transformed. Well, what do I have to do? Is yeah. the first question. Yeah. And I think Paul would say, you don't have to do anything. The Holy Spirit has to do something in us, and he's already doing it. And so we can 
wake up to the fact that this work of God is already being done of our, inside of us. We're being transformed, but we become aware, I think, in, uh, it's possible through, uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit to move into this space. Mm -hmm. And some people uh, use, the, use centering prayer to be a way to move into that space. I like this, I like it when they call that um, your practice because it is kind of <laughs> practicing to be in that space all the time during the time that you spend 10 minutes, 20 minutes, a half hour in uh, centering prayer. Yeah. Um, let me share a story with you from Scripture because I've wondered about this and I think what you're talking about might help me understand it. Um, we just... Uh, Father James Arcadi just spoke about Jesus on the mountaintop, Transfiguration mm -hmm. Sunday. This was this past, this past Sunday. Yeah. And um, while Jesus is praying... There is another scene down at the bottom of the mountain, a father and a son who is possessed by demons. Mm. And Jesus and his disciples hustle down the mountain after the um, glorious scene where Jesus is revealed for who he is. And at the bottom of the mountain, Jesus comes and um, he casts this demon out. And what strikes me is he did not stop to pray. He did not gather the disciples around to say, let's pray this sucker out. Mm -hmm. He just says, out. But afterwards, the disciples ask him, how did, how did you do that? He said, this can only be cast out by much prayer. Mm. So, but he didn't pray. Yeah. So, um, in other words, he didn't, it wasn't an effort. I've got to pray. We've got to pray hard to get this thing out. Yes. So does that, how does that relate to what you're, what you're saying? You here? know, I, I think that Jesus' message to us from the very beginning is that we can live in a space where there's a, a, a constant turning to God mm. and that constant turning to God is unceasing prayer. Now mm. um, it, it, we can go to Jesus' first many sermons in the beginning of Mark and the beginning of, of Matthew and in it, those places, well uh, I have them here and Sure. What he says is, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. That's Mark. And in Matthew he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. To me, this, it says he went about from that time on to preach that. So to me, that's the core of his message. And we use, the, in all mm. translations, we use the word repent, but I prefer to talk about metanoia. And the reason is because uh, the, re the English word repent carries a load with it that makes us think of our own sinfulness and our need to ask for forgiveness. All true, of course. Yeah. But I'm saying that what Jesus' message is, is he's not mentioning sin here. He's, he's saying instead, I've got some good news. And that is right next to you, the 
the kingdom of God exists, you can become aware of the closeness of mm. God. God is so close that you can turn to him at any time. And the, re the, the Greek word is simply turn, but it means an inner turning. Uh. If you look it up, it, it, that's what it says in the Greek dictionary, an inner turning. Well, I think he's just saying, hey, you guys, all you have to do is turn inward and you'll find that the presence of God is there. You can become aware of the presence of God at any moment in your life. Wow. That in itself is a shift in my understanding of repentance. We always think of a 180 degree turn, right? Mm -hmm. You're going this way and you better stop and turn around completely. Mm. Um, and that's an effort that you've got. I mean, you know, it's almost like you've yeah. got to do it. Make sure that mm -hmm. happens, right? And then God will come to you. Yeah. You're talking about something I'm talking about different. an invitation. Ah, yeah. It's no longer, uh, oh my goodness, I'm walking around as a terrible sinner. Yeah. But, hey, that's part of the story. I'm not denying that that's part of the story, that we have to come to a realization that we are indeed sinners and we need to turn to God for help. Um, I believe all that, you know. I'm a pretty orthodox <laughs> but, but that doesn't have to be the picture of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying more than that. Yeah. He, yeah. And in fact, he wants his message to be a broad invitation to us that includes that, but allows us to realize that it, to say the kingdom of God is here means to, as much as is to say God is right here present with you. And is he referring to himself? Yes. But he's also referring to the fact that uh, God's kingdom is the universe that he created. And we can turn toward him in that universe. We're part of it. Huh. So in turning, tell me a little bit more about how prayer helps us turn, how prayer helps us develop that awareness that we'll want, in which we will want to turn. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm really glad you asked that because I think that's the guts of the operation today. This is where we're going. But um, uh, Matt introduced centering prayer to us. So let me give you a short lesson on, on centering, centering prayer that you already know, but, um, you know, we'll go through it again because it's, it's really simple, basic stuff. Um, I get up in the morning. I sit down in a comfortable straight back chair. I put my feet on the ground. I fold my hands in my lap. I take some deep breaths. I recognize I'm in the presence of God. And I turn inward. Now, what on earth is turning inward? Mm. You can't mm. describe it, but Paul makes a big thing out of the fact that 
that God's love is in us, that Christ is in us. What was it, 280 sometimes he says, Christ mm. in you, mm. in you, in you, you know, that type of in Christ, in Christ. In us. That, uh, that repetition, that thought that, that some place in us, in this holy of holies, in the center of us, where's the center? Well, it must be someplace in my body, you know, and mm. it, maybe you feel it in a different place than I do. A lot of people feel it in the middle of their chest or between their belly and their chest. In fact, that inner man business, mm. the word in Greek, belly. Belly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so in, yeah. I, I did sub out translation. They, if they talk about their feelings, they talk about their stomach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like that very much. <laughs> but, um, okay. So, centering prayer. I sit down, I quiet my heart, I become very still. Be still and know that I am God. Yes, Lord. I turn inward. And using the prayer word, just that Matt was talking about, let's say it's love. Okay. And I say love. But I'm not concentrating on the meaning of the word so much as allowing the word to express my intention to be with Christ in my very center. And so I say love and I take deep breaths and turn inward. Well, it's not two seconds before I realize that my mind has wandered. Yeah. And and that's normal. My thoughts are always going. And so I turn back toward the uh, center. Yeah, yeah. This happens over and over again in centering prayer. And uh, there's, there's no way around. There's nothing bad or good about it. It's just if you want to pray this way, that's the way it's going to happen. And the thoughts you allow to become more and more distant. You don't force them away. You, you don't reject them, and you don't cling to them. You just let them be. And so you sit there, and the thoughts come, and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm distracted. And that awareness is a gift of God that allows you to turn inward. And in turning inward, there he is again. Christ in me. And... This goes on for 20 minutes or for a half hour. What does this do to me? It begins to teach me that I can turn toward God and find Him within myself. As I relax, as I begin to still my own heart with God's help, I can actually sense that God is in me. So, I don't know if I speak for anyone else who's listening to this right now, I might be wondering, I've, I've heard many people say, you know, at times God seems so distant to me, mm -hmm. or I've struggled to find Him, or in my pain and my suffering, where is God? Mm -hmm. And the prophets who railed against God, you know, and uh, were very vocal about it, God, where are you? Mm -hmm. uh, Mother Teresa herself, who I believe says she did not experience God's presence, mm -hmm. but she just prevailed and kept doing what mm -hmm. she knew she needed to be doing. How does that reconcile with what you're saying? How, 
why is it so difficult to experience this when it's so fundamental to our spiritual well-being? Yeah. Those are those those are um, those are serious questions. Those are questions that come from deep within me because mm -hmm. I've struggled with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I can't. Um, I think those are good good things to ask, Rob. And what I'm going to say is that this turning inward is indeed a, a turning toward the Christ who saves us. Mm. But um, feelings may or may not come with it. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, you, you, you don't necessarily feel a tremendous burst of God's beauty when you look inward. But over time that can happen. Mm. Over, um, as you continue in this, you may begin to get glimpses of the beauty of God mm. who lives within you. Um, mm. it, it, for some people it's just a matter of learning how to relax. That's part of it. <laughs> yeah. It's mm. a good word for me. <laughs> uh, but let's go to Psalm 80. Yeah, yeah. And Psalm 80 is a beauty, and uh, uh, it starts out, O shepherd of Israel. And then he, he, he says, um, You who dwell between the seraphim, and then he says, turn us, O God, and we shall see your countenance and be saved. So this, this desire, this outpouring of turning toward the presence of God in the temple of God, in the Holy of Holies, between the cherubim, sitting on the mercy seat, sitting on the, uh, the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, and, and the, the trust of these people that, that God was right there. Well, we don't any longer have that temple, but Christ is the temple, and we are the temple, and we together are the temple. And so... We go to that place where the light is shining between the seraphim. And to go there is simply to allow God to turn us inward. And there it is. And that is experiential salvation. Hmm. Something in me doesn't like that it's so simple. <laughs> Exactly. It's so simple. But it's it's nothing that we can do. It's Correct. nothing right. that we can do. It's that what we get to do is find a stance that creates the least resistance to becoming aware of what God has already done. Mm. and is constantly doing. Yeah, yeah. 
When you mentioned the cherubim, the Holy of Holies, that to me can be a little confusing because it seems to reinforce the inaccessibility of God and that we've got to have the priest, the mediator, who's got to do all kinds of things to prepare himself to go into that holy place under threat of death. <laughs> so... <laughs> Did but we're Je in the new covenant. Yeah, that's it. So Jesus <laughs> radically reoriented that or changed that. Yes. And that speaks to what Jesus has done. Yeah. Why did the Not why us. did the curtain break open, you yeah. know, when he was on the cross? He he did that. Yeah. And uh and so yeah, we we can turn we can turn inward, but we can also feel frustrated that we're not getting anywhere. Mm. And so then we go to 80, uh, Psalm 80 and verse 3 and say, turn us, yeah. O Lord, yeah. and we will be saved. Let your face shine upon us and we will be saved. This face mm. shining upon us and the salvation that comes with it, to be able to, um, what is that like? Here's Augustine. Hmm. My mind withdrew its thoughts from experience, ex extracting itself from the contradictory throng of sensuous images that it might find out what that light was wherein it was bathed. And thus, with the flash of one hurried glance, it attained to the vision of that which is. That which is, of course, I am that I am. Mm. The, what he's saying is that the ultimate reality is that flash of glory that we can see in the loving gaze of the Father upon us. Yeah. He says, I was aware of something within me that gleams and splashes in my soul. Were this perfected and fully established in me, this would surely be eternal life. It hides. It shows itself. And like a thief, it comes to steal all things from my soul. Mm hmm. I was talking to one guy, and he said it, 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 it feels like an emptiness. And, and I think he's right, you know. I think there's an aspect to what this experience is all about. You turn inward, and you're being very still and very relaxed and resting and breathing deeply. And uh, you, you, be, you come into the reality of just this moment. Here I am, just a guy sitting here. And I, I realize the simple reality of this being, you know. Uh, I can't even, I'd disappear if God weren't breathing me into existence. Mm. I'm almost nothing. I am nothing but God, you know. And that reality of coming into uh, uh, the uh, the present moment mm. 
in which uh, it's just God in me. I think that often in prayer, I always think of praying to God for something. God is another. Mm -hmm. I can access him out there to do things. Yeah. Um, and it's a different it's it's my effort to try to attain that yeah. right and get yeah. that from him yeah and you're talking about prayer as something totally receptive totally receptive yeah which we just resist for some reason because yes. we right we do resist why do we resist that jim because we want to be in control yeah. i mean simple answer we want to be in control and we're afraid mm. i Every morning that I do this, um, uh, I can sense my own resistance. Wow. To, you know, it, here it is, it's time. I actually set an alarm so that I, you know, can. I know when I start and when I end, I, I got this m amount of time. And um, uh, the first alarm goes off, and I've been reading scripture before that, but... It, you know, I've got to fool with my candle or <laughs> yeah, take a little sip of my coffee one more time or sure. whatever. You know, <laughs> because I said, I'm about to come into contact with the God of the universe. Yeah. That's no small thing. Yeah. And if you can touch that reality for that flash that Augustine talks yes. about... It's worth the everything <laughs> yeah. that you ever were born for. It's what you were born for. That flash of the sense of being totally loved. Hmm. It reminds me, I, I listened to Matt's, uh, Matt and Andrew, and Matt was talking about that place of intimacy. Um, mm -hmm. When you empty yourself, people are afraid, oh no, empty your mind, all kinds of terrible stuff can come in. But no, this emptying is allowing, that turning, allowing God to come in and mm -hmm. and and dwell in, with his love in you and that place of deep intimacy. Yes, and, and you think, uh, what you're doing is you're saying, everything that I think I own, mm. my thoughts, my possessions, everything that I imagine, even my own body, my feelings, I'm going to turn from those. I'm going to turn from everything and just be with Christ. Mm. And so you're emptying yourself, you know, in that way. Yeah. 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 Not that they, the thoughts don't continue, the feelings don't continue. They're there. But what you're saying is my intention, Lord, is to give this to recognize that you're beyond all of this. You're beyond everything that I can imagine. And in fact, my very best thoughts will not capture you. But somehow there's a, a knowledge. Uh, here's, here's Paul's prayer, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's go to Paul's prayer in in um, Ephesians chapter 3. Now he's praying that we would do it, that we'd experience this. 
And he, so he's actually on his, he says, I'm on my knees for you Ephesians and the rest of church for all eternity. All these people from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner yeah. being, yeah. in your t- tummy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. In other words, we become aware of what's already happened. He's been there. Mm. And we become aware that through faith, we trust like little children. Oh my goodness, that must be God. What did it feel like? Felt like emptiness. Felt Felt like being loved. I don't know. It just was kind of amazing, actually. It was a flash. Anyway, he says, through faith, being rooted and grounded in love, that you may have the strength to comprehend. Your mind is actually getting a grip with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ? Now get this, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something Mm. that's bigger than knowledge? My idea of what he's trying to say is that we, there's an integration between mind and heart, mm. the feelings and the intellect, the rational side of us and the emotional side of us somehow comes together within us in, in an integrated way so that we can do what God created us to do, and that is join Christ in the center of our being. And what is that like? It's love beyond our imagination. Boundless love. Wow. So, tell me what happens to us then when we repeatedly turn toward the loving and forgiving gaze of God? Um, Well, um, uh, we may feel loved. We may realize, we begin to realize that God is indeed in us, and we know that in a way that's unknowable. Um, uh, we, We can't explain it to I can't explain it to you, you can't explain it. Nobody can explain it to anybody, but you know that it happens, faith begins to this uh, transform into something where I have to believe some propositional ideas to, oh my goodness, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> that is really beyond me, you know? <laughs> that, yeah. that takes my breath away, um, yeah. that God could love me that much. Just like I am, sinner and all, and it doesn't change. So the turning, part of it is reducing the, uh, what happens is it can have the potential to reduce the gap between 
realizing I've sinned to fully accepting the forgiveness of, of the cross. Now the forgiveness of the cross is happening as I sin. It's constant. It's mm -hmm. yes, going yes. on at all times. So, right. But sometimes it takes me a week and a half to figure out that I, all I need to do is turn. And that's, that's this, this exercise is shortening that gap of time. And hopefully it goes down to uh, seconds where, oh my goodness, I, I'm sorry I did that. And turning to God and finding, oh my goodness, he's still gazing upon me with that same loving countenance, that face of love that you're accepted. That sin is already, forgot it already. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Jesus died for you, didn't he? Yeah, he did, Lord. <laughs> I'm hearing this in my head. But to really believe that, I mean, to trust that completely so that yeah. I believe it in a knowingness, the deep knowingness, yeah. Yeah. that there is no more shame then. There is, there is, there is no more... Um, because God's disposition to us then, if I hear what you're saying correctly, is always to forgive, to always have mercy. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. That's always there. That's always there. And sometimes I feel like I've got to work really hard to get God to forgive me for that. Yeah, as I might have to work with someone else, right? Yeah. We have to yeah. work to forgive. Right. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us. It's okay, it's not by works of righteousness that yeah. we have done. It's by His mercy that He saved us. That love is so big that it, it, it it's um, going on when we can't comprehend it. So what uh, contemplative centering prayer does for us as we turn inward, turn inward, and turn inward is help us to realize that it's an illusion that we are separate from God. The yeah. concept that we carry around that we're somehow separate from God, even because of our sin, is an illusion. And by turning yeah. to Him, you'll find that He's already there and that your salvation holds <laughs> from the first moment you believe. <laughs> I think that's the nugget, that's the core. That's not a nugget, that's at the heart of this for me. He is always there. He's always there. Yeah, and what do you think Jesus meant when he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the year, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> but for us to get it, for us to get it, it can, it can help to have such a practice as centering prayer. Um, but, we can also then stand up and we, from our seats, this time is over and I stand up. Can I realize the sacredness of standing up, of walking across the room, of opening the door? Can I become aware that in all things, at any moment, I can turn now toward the Christ who is in me mm. and the Christ that is in you mm. and so in the conversation mm. Christ is there two or three together yeah. Christ is there and I can begin to turn toward that towards that yeah. so I have a list Rob 
Because I've been thinking about this. How can I not only turn toward God and find Him in the midst of my heart at any time, which is a thrill to me, but um, uh, how can I do it in every moment of my life? You know, Brother yeah. Lawrence said he could do it. Right. I want to do it too. <laughs> could do it when he's peeling potatoes and peeling right? potatoes or whatever. Yes, yes. So I, I'm thinking that um, that when we're when we're reading scripture, mm -hmm. we can do this. Okay, that seems kind of obvious, but mm -hmm. not everybody feels it. But when you're talking about Lexio Divina, as the monks did it in the 12th century and there and even way before that what they would do is they would read they would um they would reflect yeah they would respond and they would rest and okay um we start out with uh um blessed are the pure in spirit for they shall see God. What did Jesus just say? Mm. Oh my goodness. Mm. If God would purify my spirit, I would see him. Mm. Mm. It would be wonderful. Oh my goodness. Mm. It is wonderful. Mm. It's happening right now. Mm. That's praying with scripture. And you go back to that. You could go back to that line for a half hour. Yeah. An hour if you wanted to. I mean... They asked Teresa of Avila, um, the other nuns did, uh, she's, they, they said, uh, how do you pray? And she said, well, you already know how. Pray the Lord's Prayer, but take an hour to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was getting to this kind of thing where you can enter into the beauty of the text now, not every line of scripture is going to do that. So you've got Psalm mm. uh, 16, and you're going through it line by line, and not every line touches off that, allows you to 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 find um, uh, to move into it. Uh, not every line of the psalm does, uh, maybe because of our frame of mind or our blockages or whatever, but. Um, by reading, returning, returning, turning back, turning back. So, you're saying that we cannot possibly read the Bible and inwardly digest the Bible effectively without prayer. It must, it must, it becomes, it becomes prayer. prayer. Yeah. Even the reading becomes prayer. It does, but notice what we said before is that the uh, prayer. This is, we're talking about prayer as a reception yeah. of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit. Yeah. Now, this reception. Think of a tube coming into you, pouring, gushing the love of God, 
coming down into you. Where do you think our praise from him for him comes from? Mm. Uh, Eckhart says that tube is going in two directions mm -hmm. at once equally. <laughs> you can't think of it because of, if we think of pipe well filled with water and <laughs> Well, I'm thinking of a fire hydrant, you know, like trying to get a drink from a fire hydrant. <laughs> thinking we don't have the capacity for that. We don't have but, the capacity. But, but, but it, that's the only source of our praise. Yeah. It's the only source of our thanksgiving. There is no other place where we can drum up this thing except we've been given it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm saying that what we're created for is receptive, completely receptive prayer, and automatically it does a reverse inside of our hearts sure. and it honors God. Right. So it's not a selfish thing to pray this way. Yes, um, because it's simply returning to God what he's already pouring into us. Um, right. And then it starts to turn to others. I mean, it, it starts it could, could to go out to others. Go out to others, too, yeah. Do you think that some of us then just have shriveled receptors? I think we all do. <laughs> and, and that's what I think the turning can do. Yeah, this turning, yeah. turning, turning. Yeah. Turning during the day, turning when I'm cooking, turning when I'm uh, vacuuming, turning when I'm doing my job at the factory, turning when I'm... Whatever it is I'm doing, I can turn inward and I can see him. I can turn outward and see him in the guy next to me. I can even see him in the work that I'm doing right now. And of course, I can see him in nature. Yeah. So I turn toward him in nature. This is Browning. Earth's crammed with heaven. Yeah. And every common bush of fire with God. Yeah. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. Ah, the beauty of holiness. I, mm. The Anglican, right? That's that's mm. so Anglican, but it's in Scripture. Psalm 27, I think. A couple songs. A couple songs, right? Yeah. So when I'm looking at a bush or the blueberries in a bush mm. and I want to pluck them and eat them because they're so tasty taste and see that the Lord is good there you go and the bush is beautiful but it's only beautiful in, in as much as it reflects the beauty of its creator right that's exactly right and everything that's been created has that uh, imprint of its creator yeah yeah so, so that's what yeah go ahead so prayer turns us to that too it does and it does, and as we turn, we enter into uh, the first line of Jesus' full Sermon on the Mount, which is, mm. uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, because in seeing uh, mm. uh, that beautiful flower, that, mm. those blueberries, tasting those blueberries, we suddenly realize that we own those things. We are, mm. they are ours because, um, because we've emptied ourselves. Mm. They suddenly become, uh, um, Jesus said that we own the kingdom then. And 
there's some inner realization that, yeah, the whole universe is mine. It's already ours. Yeah. We don't need to clutch or grasp or try to possess it. No, we don't. Because beauty itself, as soon as you try to own it, possess it, mm -hmm. I have to have her, she is beautiful, guess what? Right? Uh, yeah. It's gone. Uh, it's gone. It wow. messes it up. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So there, there, there we're beginning to blend in with the uh. kenosis of the cross, you know. Yeah, the, the emptying that uh, Jesus did on the cross. But he taught it from day one when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm, mm. Uh, the, it's like mm. the culmination, yes. the poor in spirit yes. is the total emptying. And the cross was a culmination of, of, of all of that, his beatitudes. Mm. Everything mm. that he said and taught was mm. culminated That's right. there. Yeah. It is finished, and yet it has just begun. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Life has finally begun. Life has begun. <laughs> so, wow. I, I don't know how long we've been talking here, but... Well, let me see. I uh, suspect we've burned our hour, right? I have been lost in... <laughs> we have been going for 50 minutes. Oh, it's perfect then. But let me end with this, because yes. I think it's yes. fun. Um, <clears throat> so... As we do this turning to God over and over again, it is as if we are dancing with the Spirit of God. This interior dance of purity and simplicity, this dance of, is a dance of humility and love. And now listen to the Shaker song. Tis a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we shan't be ashamed. To turn, to turn will be our delight, till turning, turning, we come round right. Ah, how appropriate to end <laughs> with the beautiful song. Yeah, Metanoia. Metanoia. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. I know this will bless many as it's blessed me. It's been my joy. And I hope that many follow up and call you. Sure enough. Say, Jim, can you explain this a bit more? <laughs> Or sit with you and say, Jim, tell us a bit more about your experience in prayer. So thanks very much, Jim. God bless you. God bless you.